So how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser, and I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be. On a Friday night. That's right. Well, I'm the pastor of Encounter, and I want to welcome everyone that's watching online or here at the Sanctuary Church, and uh, we're concluding our epic forgiveness event, and I'm just so grateful that you guys are here. And just also want to let you know that while we're teaching about forgiveness tonight, our children are being taught about forgiveness as well, too. And at the end of the night, we're going to have an opportunity to respond uh, at the end of the night by choosing the freedom of forgiveness and moving out of the bondage of bitterness by writing down names of people we've never been able to forgive and nailed them to a cross. And in exchange, God's going to give you a supernatural peace. So I thought it would be appropriate for us, even before we get started, I, I just want to just thank my wife for just being just the most awesome person ever. And she inspires me about forgiveness because she introduced me to grace. Uh, and I'm just so grateful uh, for her each and every day. And so thank you, honey pie. Uh, yeah. And I thought it would be appropriate for us to open up with the Lord's Prayer. It's on the screens. Most of you know it. It's a prayer that many of us memorize. Uh, it starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom, the power forever. And you know, when Jesus prayed it, it wasn't an attempt to give us some kind of formula to spit out, but just be a model for what the heart of prayer should be in each and every one of our lives. In other words, let your prayer be personal. In other words, really mean it. Really have a conversational prayer with God. And speaking of meaning what you pray, you probably notice one part of the prayer that's a little tougher to pray than another part of the prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Did you catch that? Here's what you're actually praying. Forgive us in the same way that I'm forgiving others. Kind of scary thing to pray, isn't it? Yeah, in other words, if I go halfway in forgiveness, Lord, you only go halfway in forgiveness. If I hold on to this grudge, God, you hold on to this grudge. I will never forget what that person did to me, and I will never forgive them, Lord. So, Lord, you'll never forgive me. That's exactly what you're praying in the Lord's Prayer. That's what that verse is saying. I heard Charles Stanley say one time, that may be one of the most condemning prayers that people have ever prayed. And so what the, verse, what the verse is saying, in the same way that I offer and demonstrate forgiveness, Lord, this, you offer and demonstrate that forgiveness back to me. And notice that forgiveness is the only issue that Jesus brings up twice in the Lord's Prayer. In other words, he tells us we can expect to be forgiven in the same exact manner. And he was so adamant about making this point that the very next thing that he says in verse 14 and 15, after he's done teaching on the Lord's Prayer, are these exact words. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's a story of a man who went to an old pastor named John Wesley and said, I can never forgive that person. 
Never. And John Wesley replied, then I hope you never sin. Because we all need what we don't want to give. So don't burn the bridge that you need to walk across. So I'm going to read a passage from 1 John 2.9, and I just want to give it a little, a little preface before I read it. You know, the book of John is a great book to learn about Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and learn how to become a follower of Jesus. 1 John 1 and 2 is the litmus test if you're actually living this life for Jesus. It's a book for followers to see if we're actually living this stuff out. And 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says, If anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Just serious this stuff is? You can't say, oh, Jesus is my homie. He's my man. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my everything. And there's hate in your heart for another brother or sister. See, some of you started coming to encounter. Some of you have been watching us online each and every week. And some of you started walking with God. Some of you are new to this relationship with God. And I so appreciate that. And I'm here to tell you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is freedom. There is change that God wants to break in your life. You were born to be free, not to stay in chains the rest of your life. I'm telling you that there is light at the end of that tunnel, but I'm also telling you from experience and the authority of God's word that unforgiveness will keep you in the dark and destroy your life. Let me say it as clear as I can. Resentment does not work. The reality is that even though you're thinking you're paying back the person who hurt you, you're the only one hurting yourself with your anger. Think about it. When you're angry, when you're resentful towards someone, you're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. You're the one that's all stressed out. You're the one that's losing sleep. Trust me, they're not losing any sleep over you whatsoever. Chances are they're oblivious to what's going on in your life. Some of them may be already dead and gone. But you're allowing them to continue to hurt you by allowing them to continue to live rent-free in your mind, still causing you pain because you won't let what they did go. Resentment cannot change the past, the problem, or the person that hurt you. It doesn't even hurt the person that hurt you. It certainly doesn't make you feel any better. Have you ever known anyone to get up and say, oh, I feel so much better carrying this resentment around. It's just an awesome day. Give me a latte and two shots of bitterness. You just don't. Resentment's like a cancer that eats you up alive. It's an emotional poison with physical consequences. Resentment will make you bitter. It'll make you divisive, negative. It'll make you toxic to be around. It'll make you gossip. It'll make you skeptical. It'll give you a critical spirit and a self-entitled mindset. It destroys relationships. It destroys businesses. It destroys churches, and I've seen it take down ministries. Friends, forgiveness is the way to go. It may be the hardest path to go down, but it is the most 
freeing. And as we go down the path together, I thought we would clarify what forgiveness is and what it's not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not saying no deal. It was a big deal. It did hurt. And to deny it is to begin a less than honest approach to true forgiveness. And hurts, they leave scars. You'll always have those scars. And you will remember. You may not ever forget. But you don't have to be paralyzed by that hurt any longer. See, when God says he's not going to remember your sins, he's also saying that he's not going to use your past against you anymore. And his ability to forget, far greater than ours. So don't put off forgiving those who have hurt you, hoping that the pain will go away. See, once you choose to forgive someone, then Christ heals your wounds. And then your pain goes away. There are some things that are reserved just for God. Healing from hurts inflicted us by other people, only God can do. No one else can do that. Nothing else can do that but God. Next, as you're writing this stuff down, hopefully everyone has a fill in the blank, forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision of your will. And since God requires you to forgive, it is something you can do. Some people hold on to their anger as a means of protecting themselves from farther abuse. But all they're doing is hurting themselves. Others want revenge. Let God deal with the person. You let him or her off your hook because as long as you refuse to forgive someone, you're still hooked to that person. You're still chained to your past, bound up in your bitterness. But by forgiving, you let the other person off your hook. But that person is not off God's hook. They still have to stand before a holy God. So you must trust that God's going to deal with that person justly and fairly, something you simply cannot do. But you say, you don't know. You don't know what this person did to me, what this group of people did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. And you know what? You're right, and no one else knows. But guess who does? Jesus. And he's instructed us to forgive others for our sake. And until you let go of your bitterness and hatred, the person's still going to hurt you. Still going to hurt you. Nobody can fix your past. Nobody. But you can be free from it. You can be free from it. And what you gain by forgiving is freedom from your past and those who have abused you. To forgive is to set a captive free and realize you were the captive. Next, forgiveness is giving up your right to get even and choosing not to hold someone's sin against him or her anymore. You know, it's common for bitter people to bring up past offenses for those who have hurt them because they want them to feel as bad as they do of unresolved forgiveness. But we must let go of the past and choose to reject any thought of revenge. Now, this doesn't mean that you can continue to put up with any continual sin or abuse. God doesn't tolerate sin and neither should you. You need to set up scriptural boundaries that put a stop to further abuse. Take a stand against sin while continuing to exercise grace and forgiveness towards those who have hurt you. You let God handle it by saying, you know what, in light of what you've done with my sin, Lord, I have no right to hang on to this. I'm releasing this person to you, giving up my right to get even. There's no way I'm going to touch this. Now, forgiving is not excusing, excusing, nor is it pretending. To forgive is to move on. 
To forgive is to move on, taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ about the offense whenever it visits the doorpost of our minds. It's an opportunity to take those thoughts captive and let God take that thought from us so that we can be free from it. You don't excuse him, endorse her, embrace them. You just route thoughts about them to God. And you know what? He'll take them every single time. He'll take them every single time because revenge is God's job. It always is. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. We're all living with the consequences of another person's sin. Doesn't seem fair, does it? It's never fair. But life isn't fair. A lot of people come up to me and say, why, why, you know, I just got... I, you know, I just, it's just not fair. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God doesn't treat me fairly. Because if he did, I would get what I deserve. But because he doesn't treat me fairly, I get what I don't deserve, and that's his grace. And I'm happy for that. But life isn't fair. But you can't change the past or consequences that came along because of their behavior. It happened, and the only choice you have right now is to choose the freedom of forgiveness and move out of the bondage of bitterness. Since there's no getting around the consequences... You choose not to add another layer on top of it by hanging on to resentments and bitterness. Now listen very carefully to this one. Forgiveness does not always lead to reconciliation. Does not always lead to reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Now in a perfect world, they should go hand in hand. But we live in a broken world, and issues like reconciliation and trust need time to build if they can be built at all. Forgiving someone and trusting again, trusting them again is possible, but trust is built by actions, not words. When two people trust, submit, and surrender to God and both forgive, trust can and will be restored. Now, if you're married, listen to me very carefully. If there's genuine repentance, real forgiveness, where both spouses look to God first no matter what was done, no matter what was done, God's will is that you forgive and reconcile because you entered into a covenant relationship with God. And just like pastors are held to a higher standard, couples are held to a higher standard because that covenant relationship is never meant to be broken. God would never, ever divorce you. Because he loves us, and he wants marriage to be the next best example of what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, it is possible to forgive someone completely and never reconcile with them. Because that's the broken world that we live in. I have forgiven the person who sexually assaulted me. The person who took away my innocence. But I don't want to do life with him. I want him in heaven. I want him saved. I want to spend an eternity with, with him. But that's the only place I really want to do life with him again. That was a severe hurt in my life. Now, out of all the things that hurt me in my life, my dad leaving when I was six months old, getting sexually assaulted, I used and, get, and realizing that one day that I wasn't going to be an NBA star. And I, I didn't even know what to do with that hurt. 
And when I was using, I took my drug use to a whole new level. I just spun completely out of control. But I've been hurt too as a Christian. And I've been hurt, and I would, I would have to say, out of all the people who have ever hurt me, nothing stung and hurt me like the betrayal, lies, and the concerted effort to destroy my character, my life, and ministry that I've experienced working in the body of Christ. I can tell you today that forgiving them was hard, but it was something I have done. And I did it with joy. And I have forgiven from my heart. I've forgiven them, and I absolutely hold nothing, and I mean nothing against them. I have nothing but pure love and forgiveness in my heart. But I will tell you this, they've lost a friend. And I don't think I could ever trust them ever again. And when I was going through this, a prominent pastor who actually knew two pastors that I've trusted for years, he told me that they did the same exact thing to him. And he had to forgive them but realize he couldn't trust them ever again. And he decided he just can't do life with them. And the last time I was with him, he asked me, how's, Bill, how's your heart? And I so appreciated that challenging and loving accountability that I long and embrace for. And I told him that my heart was good because I've completely forgiven them. I could not, and I'm telling you, I will not let anyone take residence in my heart for unforgiveness. I can't afford to let one ounce of unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness, grow inside my heart. I can't afford one day, one hour, one moment, one second of being separated from God because of unforgiveness and miss the blessing of God, the voice of God, the favor of God, the direction of God, the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and the anointing of God in my life. All that gets forfeited and compromised if one micro ounce of unforgiveness starts growing inside my heart. I didn't forgive them because they deserved it. I forgave them because I can't afford to lose the grace and the power that's available for me each and every day that I so desperately need. I did it. I forgave them because I love you more than I despise them. And I can't afford to miss out on God's plans for encounter and the thousands of people that he wants to reach through this ministry of Jesus Christ. I did it because I know how much I've been forgiven. And those that have been forgiven much, they love much. And those that love much, they forgive much, and they close their accounts with other people. God has given me the ability to close accounts with other people. I did it because I'm going to have to give an account before God one day. And there's going to be one conversation that will not take place when I see my king face to face. And that's why I didn't forgive other people when he has so graciously forgiven me of a debt that I could not pay. That's one conversation that will never take place. I have learned to let God fight my battles. And you know what I found? God fights your battles for you. He's a mighty warrior. I have someone who fights for me. I have someone who, de who defends me. I have someone who declares me not guilty, even when the multitudes become obsessed with destroying me because I wouldn't conform to their ungodly and unbiblical practices. Once again, I chose the freedom of forgiveness, and I moved out of the bondage of bitterness 
and I experience the peace of God and the power of God, which transforms my life. I grew up in East Harlem in the 60s and 70s. It was a rough and dangerous place back then, but moving out of the bondage of bitterness was a much more dangerous place. And I have no intention of ever going back there ever again. I am free, I'm gonna stay free, and I'm never going back there ever again. Okay, we got through that okay. I understand that forgiveness is not forgetting. It's letting go of my right to get even, releasing the hurt to God. Doesn't always mean reconciliation. But why should I do it? Why should you forgive? Why should we do it? Well, besides the incredible freedom that's going to come rushing into your veins, into your soul, besides the fact that you feel like a load of bricks have taken off your shoulders, besides the healing, besides the power, the incredible joy, the smile on your face, God's purpose and plans being revealed in your life, you being able to hear the voice of God, you being able to take authority in your life, all your hurts, habits, and hang-ups being demolished in your life, all the strongholds coming down in the name of Jesus, you being able to take your thoughts captive, and when you put on the armor every day, you'll walk in victory. Besides all of that, you forgive because God's forgiven you. This is the starting point for genuine forgiveness. See, if you don't understand how much you've been forgiven, you'll never want to forgive anybody else. If you're hard on yourself, you're going to be hard on others. But the more grace you receive from God, the more gracious you're going to be towards others. The more forgiven you are by God, the more forgiven you'll be towards others. Unforgiving people make other people miserable. Look what Colossians 3 says, verses 12 through 14. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, give your brother some slack. Oh, someone... When someone screws up, don't be the first one to point that out. Try and find somebody doing something right instead of always pointing the fault in someone else. You need grace, and we need grace. Make allowance for each other's faults. Think the best of someone else. Bring out the best in someone else. Be a peacemaker. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Here it is. So you must forgive others. Those four words, so you must forgive others. Not that you should, not that I implore you to, not that I, I, I urge you to. It says, so you must forgive others. So I did a study on, on this in the original language. You know what the original language says about those four words? It's, so you must forgive. That's what it says. That's exactly what it means. So you must forgive. No other option. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. The reason why there's disunity is because people don't forgive. We hold things in our heart. So how are you doing with the grace challenges in your life? Okay. So how do I do this? So you got me so far, Bill. How do I choose the freedom of forgiveness and extend that forgiveness to other people? Listen very, very carefully from this point moving forward. 
I think it starts with a prayer asking God for His forgiveness first. For every person you've held a grudge against. Ask God to forgive you first, and, next, and then ask God, and we're going to pray this prayer in a few minutes. Ask His Holy Spirit to reveal in your mind every person you need to forgive. And as I'm speaking right now, God is writing down names of people that are coming across the notepad of your minds. Names are popping up right now in your head that you know you need to forgive. And you have an index card in a few minutes. You're going to write on that index card every single name that God is just putting across your eyes right now and in your mind. And you ask God to help you with those people. And ask God to forgive you first and reveal everyone. Now listen very, very carefully. As you're making your list, the first person on the top of your list that you need to forgive is you write down myself. You have to write down yourself at the top of your list because often we hold things against ourselves in addition to punishing ourselves for wrong choices we've made in the past. You see, forgiving yourself, listen very carefully, is accepting the truth that God has forgiven you. He's already forgiven you in Christ. And if God forgives you, you can forgive yourself. If God forgives you, you can forgive yourself. Not forgiving yourself and still feeling guilty about our past is a self-induced mindset, not based on reality and truth, but a lie, a misunderstanding, a misperception, or simply not believing the truth that you have been completely forgiven with all your guilt taken away. Here's the simplicity of dealing with this issue once and for all. Choose to believe that what God says is true. And because it's true, you can extend that same forgiveness to yourself. You can do it. And when we follow the principles of God in every area of our lives, God takes 100% full responsibility of our lives. Now, right next to thoughts about ourselves, that we need to forgive ourselves, we need to write down thoughts against God. See, obviously, God has never done anything wrong. So he doesn't need our forgiveness. But we need to let go of our disappointments with God. Sometimes we harbor angry thoughts against him because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. As if God, as if we didn't do what God wanted us to do. That we, don't, we don't talk about that too much. But those feelings of anger and resentment towards God need to be released so he can heal you. You may never get answers to why things happen to you, but if you seek God with all your heart, he will reveal himself to you. And the answers that you want in life come through being in his presence and having a personal relationship with his son. And in order to be completely free from your resentment, your anger, your fears, and the guilt and the shame, you need to accept and offer forgiveness in every area of your life for yourself, against God, and other people. And if you don't, your spiritual growth, your recovery is going to come to a screeching halt. And you won't be able to move forward to a life of freedom, the abundant life that he died for. This is why the first and most important forgiveness is extended from God to us. So let me ask you, have you accepted 
God's forgiveness for yourself? Have you accepted Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on this cross? Because by his death on this cross, all, I mean all of our sins, we talked about this last week, all of our sins were forgiven as if we've never committed them, which is why the last thing he said on this cross, he shouted out to Telestai, which means it is finished. And the three words that made Easter possible is I am forgiven. We talked about that last week. Because you are forgiven, now that, so how so are you doing? I am forgiven. Who are you? I am forgiven. Because you are forgiven, you can now forgive others. Now, for those of you who have not made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not just Savior, Lord and Savior, making that decision would be crucial to offering forgiveness. It's when we realize how much we've been forgiven and how we're saved by grace and grace alone that we could ever think about doing something so countercultural as offering forg- forgiveness to other people. So in light of God's forgiveness of you, how he lets you off the hook, you start making a list of all of the people in your life that you need to forgive that you need to forgive as well. And when you do, always reveal your hurt. See, if you want to close the door on your past and get certain closure so certain people don't hurt you anymore, you can do it, but there's one thing you have to remember. There's no closure without disclosure. Admit it and reveal it by owning up to the truth. That it did hurt. This did happen. It hurt me. And once you reveal that hurt, then you can move on because you can't forgive a hurt you won't admit. Next, don't wait for the other person to ask for forgiveness. Don't ever do that. They may never ask. They may be clueless that they hurt you. And as I said earlier, they may even be gone by now. They may even be callous to what they did. But remember, Jesus didn't wait for those who were crucifying him on this cross to ask for forgiveness. As they were nailing the nails into his hands and feet, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And you know, in reality, it's not about them anyway. It really isn't. I don't know why we give them so much attention. It's about you and your freedom. It's about you and the abundant life that Jesus died for. Next, don't wait until you feel like forgiving. You will never get there, and Satan will make sure of it. Make the hard choice to forgive, even if you don't feel like it. See, once you choose to forgive, Satan will loose his hold on you and God will heal your damaged emotions. Start with the first person on your list. Make the choice to forgive forgive him or her for everything that they've ever done, for every painful memory that comes to your mind, and don't move until the next person, until you allow God to bring it all back to the surface once again. And as you begin forgiving people, God may bring painful memories to your mind that you may have forgotten. Let God do this even if it hurts. God is surfacing those painful memories so that you can be free and face them and let them go once and for all. You don't excuse the offender's behavior even if it's someone you're really close to. And you don't say, Lord, help me to forgive. He's already helping you and he'll be with you through the process. Scratch that prayer off. Don't say, Lord, I want to forgive. Scratch that prayer off because that by 
passes the hard choice that we have to make to forgive. Say, Lord, I choose to forgive these people from my heart. And when you forgive, that's how you do it. I forgive from my heart. You forgive from your heart. It has to be a heart decision. If it's not a heart decision, it's no decision at all. If it doesn't go deep into your heart, then bitterness is going to lock you up in jail. It must be sincere, not just a check off the box on the road to recovery to-do list. You make a list. You remember. You acknowledge the pain. You reveal the hurt. You think about God has done for you. You let God touch you at the emotional core of your innermost being, and you let it go from your heart, and then you release the offender. You release him or her. Here's a big one. How do I know if I fully released my offender? Are you ready? You will know you release your offender when you can pray God's full blessing on them. Ouch. Yeah. You might not be able to forget, but you can release the offender and let go of the pain. Now listen to me very carefully. For those of you that have been a victim of sexual abuse, physical abuse, childhood abuse, Neglect, abandonment, even in a, a, relation, a marriage relationship, a former marriage relationship, or any other major wrong that someone else has inflicted on you, I'm so sorry for the pain that you've suffered. I really am. And you are the only one, you are the only one that can comprehend what that hurt feels like and what it did to you. No one could ever come to you and say, I know what you're feeling. They don't. They can't. They can come alongside of you. But I'm here to tell you that you will not find peace and freedom from your offenders until you're able to forgive them. Remember, forgiving them in no way excuses them for the harm they've caused you. But it will release you from the power they have over you. And after you release your offender, you let it go and you leave it at the foot of the, of the cross. See, many of you have forgiven, and you've thought that you've let it go. You've thought that you've let them go, but you've never left it at the foot of the cross. And tonight you're going to have an opportunity to forgive, release, let them go, and leave them at the foot of the cross. If bitterness has locked you up in prison then forgiveness is God's get-out-of-jail-free card. It really is. It's a great deal. A plea bargain, if you will. And as your pastor, I recommend you take the deal. If you've got a better deal than this, I'm all ears. There is no better deal than this. You choose to forgive and release the offenders, you lean into God, and you enjoy the peace and freedom that's going to come your way. Resentment is a deliberate decision to nurse the offense until it becomes a growling, gruesome grudge because without forgiveness, bitterness is all that's left. The flip side of that is giving and extending unconditional grace. That would be the courageous thing to do. You forgive and let the peace of God heal you and your damaged emotions. You choose the freedom of forgiveness and you move out of the bondage of bitterness. You evict today everyone who's living rent-free in your head, still causing you pain, and you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
I want to close with a letter written to a man on death row. And the letter was actually written by the father of the man whom the man on death row had killed. And here's what the letter stated. It said this, you are probably surprised that I, of all people, am writing a letter to you. But I ask you to read it in its entirety and consider its request seriously. As the father of the man whom you took part in murdering, I have something very important to say to you. I forgive you. With all my heart, I forgive you. I realize it might be hard for you to believe, but I really do. At your trial, when you confess to your part in the events that cost my son his life and asked for my forgiveness, I immediately granted you that forgiving love from my heart. I can only hope you believe me and will accept my forgiveness. But this is, no, this is not all I have to say to you. I want to make you an offer. I want you to become my adopted child. You see, my son who died was my only son. He was my only child. And now I want to, sh now I want to share my life with you. And I want to leave my riches to you. This may not make sense to you or anyone else, but I believe that you are worth the offer. I've arranged matters so that you, if you will receive my offer of forgiveness, not only will you be pardoned for your crime, but you will also be set free from your imprisonment and your sentence of death will be dismissed. At that point, you will become my adopted child and heir to all my riches. I realize that this is a risky offer for me to make to you. You might be tempted to reject my offer completely, but I make it to you without reservation. Also, I realize it may seem foolish to make such an offer to one who cost my son his life. But I now have a great love and an unchangeable forgiveness in my heart for you. Finally, you may be concerned that once you accept my offer, you may do something to cause you to be denied your rights as an heir to my wealth. Nothing could be further from the truth. If I can forgive you for your part in my son's death, I can forgive you for anything. I know you will never be perfect, but you don't have to be perfect to receive my offer. Besides, I believe that once you have accepted my offer and begin to experience the riches that will come to you from me, that your primary, though not always, response will be gratitude and loyalty. Some would call me foolish for my offer to you, but I wish for you to call me your father. Sincerely, the father of Jesus. That's God's letter to all of us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, reveal every person you want me to forgive. Father, even as I'm praying right now, bring to remembrance every person to all of our minds right now. Keep doing it, Lord. Reveal every single person that you want every single person in this room, online, watching anywhere in the country, 
to forgive. And now I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Pray it with me. Lord Jesus, release me from the prison of unforgiveness as I choose in your strength and in your power to release those that have wronged me and hurt me, betrayed me, and wounded me. Today, I make the choice to release them from the debt they owe me as you released me from the debt I owed you. God, I release them and I thank you for releasing me from the prison of unforgiveness. Holy Spirit, close the door behind me and never let me go there again. Lock that door and throw away the key. May I know the joy of releasing your forgiveness to all who have ever wronged me for the rest of my life. I thank you that you will make my life a testimony of love and a testimony of forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me the power to forgive others. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, and if any name came across the doorpost of your heart, of your mind at any single point during tonight's talk or this two-week event, I want you to write it down on that index card. I want you to start writing right now. And I don't want you to leave this place. And you can do it where you're watching as well. I don't want you to stop watching or leaving this place till you have closed every single account with every single person that's still living rent-free in your head, still causing you pain and resentment that you haven't completely forgiven. Today, tonight, you choose the freedom of forgiveness and you move out of the bondage of bitterness and be totally set free by the power of God. There's going to be some nails. There's going to be some hammers. There's going to be some people up here. For every card, for every index card, while we worship, I want you to come forward. And I want you to start nailing down every single name of every single person that you need to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen.